Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, I like that. I like that. It's good to have all of you here today. Hello to all of you joining us online as well from wherever you are. Come on, get back from the kitchen. All right, come on, back to your seats. All right. Yep, I see you. All right, hopefully you all got an outline as you came in today in your bulletin. Go ahead and grab that. You can also scan that QR code in front of you there with your electronic device and uh, follow along with me as well. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you find that, go ahead and place your finger there as we will come back there in just a few minutes. Uh, did everybody get a label today? Everybody get your label? As you came in? Yes? No, you didn't get your label? Don't you just love going to places where you get these things, especially like big conferences or camps or whatever, and they place these labels on you, especially where there's big crowds? Don't you just love that? Well, uh, we all get these labels that they put on us. By the way, I have a label. Uh, In fact, I was given a label when I was younger. I didn't ask for it. It came my direction anyways. See, in my family... I am the youngest child. In fact, I was the youngest of the four cousins here in California from my dad's side of the family. And I was also the youngest kid on the street. And so I was known as Baby Wayne. It's true. And about, at about four or five years of age, I got a promotion. And I went from Baby Wayne to Wayne E. Now, I don't know if that was really a promotion or not, but that's what I was called. And then some years later, I got another label. See, in my sixth grade year, my teacher started calling me Wayner. And of course, it didn't take long for that label to be exploited by my classmates in school. It's true. And it went on for an entire school year. And it didn't stop there. See, what happened is those exploitations carried with me for the next six years. All the way through the end of high school. Life at school was horrible for me. And because of the hurtful things that were said, I struggled for many years. Even after high school. And see, nobody knew the pain I was in. Not even my own family. I kept all of that inside for many years. Because there was something inside of me that was believing the hurtful labels that I was given. I mean, uh, if one kid says it, it's kind of like, okay, you shrug it off, right? But when lots of kids say it over the course of six years, man, when that happens... It starts to stick. Fast forward many years later with lots of love, lots of care, lots of support, plus some good counseling and great mentorship and most importantly, time with God. The Lord brought me out of a really dark place in my life. And all of that existed because I chose to wear a label. And here's the interesting thing about labels, congregation. It could be a past experience. It could be something that happened to you, a trauma or whatever it was. Maybe it was even something you did to yourself. But see, we make decisions based upon 
the labels that we wear. I'm going to put that right there. Maybe it'll stay. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let it sit right there so I can get to it. There we go. Whether it's relationally, financially, a career, all kinds of different areas of our life, it doesn't matter. Every time we go to make a decision, we either consciously or subconsciously consult this label in our life. And so today, as we're continuing in our sermon series, Frequently Asked Questions, we're going to see in Scripture that Jesus' power is greater than any label that you and I wear. And whether it's a label that somebody put on you, which was the case for me, or if it's a label that you put on yourself, it really doesn't matter. And so today we're answering the question, how do I break the labels of my past? So my question to you is, is what label do you wear? I mean, I get it. You have your name. But what's the label that you wear? Is it lazy? Is it irresponsible? Hot-headed? Poor steward of money? The wild guy? The wild girl? The doormat? The person who can never have a healthy relationship? Addict? Alcoholic? What label do you wear today? And then the next question after that is, as you sit here today or you're watching us online, it's, do you believe that God's power is greater than that label? And then after that, the next question becomes, how do you begin to experience his power working in your life so that you can overcome that label? And so today I want to look at scripture and I want us to understand exactly what God says. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. See, before he was converted to Christianity, he went by the name Saul. And he was a person who absolutely despised the early church. He hated Christians. He didn't like Jesus. And Saul, at the time, actually thought that Jesus himself was the enemy of God. And that he was the enemy of Judaism. Now, this isn't in your notes, but in Acts chapter 26... Paul tells us a little bit of his own backstory. It's in verses 9 through 11 if you want to look at it later. But here's what he says in Acts 26. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Now, right here, I just kind of envision that scene in the movie Gladiator. You know, where it's like thumbs up or thumbs down. Maybe you've seen that. And Paul, all the time, was a thumbs down kind of guy, right? Put him to death. In verse 11, he says this. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In other words, what he's saying here is, is manipulate them, manipulate them to speak against God so that they could be arrested and tried and probably even executed. And then he says, I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. And then as we know the story about Saul, he gets saved. The Lord changes his name from Saul to Paul and he serves Jesus faithfully the rest of his life. And now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where you're at in your Bibles, here's Paul writing to the church in Corinth, starting in verse 14. This is what he says. 
For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a, what's the word church? Say it with me, worldly point of view. And in verse 16 here, what I want you to do is I want you to circle in your notes, worldly point of view. Because this also means flesh. And Paul is basically saying, hey, before I knew Christ, I used to look at people from a fleshly point of view, from a worldly point of view. And what that actually means is that he would look at people's exterior. He would look at their race or their ethnicity. He would judge them by their skin color or their shape or their size, whatever the outward appearance was. That's what he used to do. And then he goes on and says right here in verse 16, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now just pause for a moment and let's let this soak into our minds. As believers congregation, and this may sound like a no-brainer to you, but it is not godly to judge people by their exterior. And when we have groups of people in our world that are doing this, they're pitting each other against each other, right? All because of what's on the exterior. Let me tell you, that breaks the heart of God. And Paul says here, before I was a Christ follower, that's exactly what I used to do. Now that I'm a Christ follower, I stopped doing all that. I used to think of Jesus as that way. I used to think that he was the enemy. But now I believe he's the Messiah, the Son of God. And Paul's life was changed. So in your outline, let's begin creating a new God-centered view of who? Of you. Let's take a cue from Paul's story here. You see in your outline there, when Paul's assessment of Jesus was changed, so did his assessment of himself and of everyone else change as well. See, when God changed Paul's life, his perspective changed. His thoughts changed. The labels that he wore, the ones that he believed about himself, the ones he felt about other people, all of them began to change. And here's why. Look at verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You see, Paul understood the power of Christ in his life. And here in verse 17, this word new, it means new. Like as in brand spanking new. Isn't brand spanking new things great in life? That's exactly what you have going on here when Jesus comes in. In fact, this whole idea is actually spoken of throughout the New Testament. It's in many of Paul's writings. In Romans, he says, the old self was crucified with Christ. In Ephesians and Colossians, both books, he says, they have laid aside the old self and put on the new self. So congregation, if you're a believer, the old self is gone. The new self has come. So now what happens? What are we supposed to do? The answer is we grow in Jesus. And as a believer, let me be the first one to tell you, if you don't know this, you are called by God to press on to maturity in your faith. You're not supposed to just hang out. 
and sit on your thumbs all day. You are to pursue growth in your understanding of the Lord Jesus. The reality behind that, though, is it is a lifelong process. But it begins at the very moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And as you grow, this whole new you, baby, yeah, it begins to develop. Because see, as God works in you, he plants new desires in you, just like Paul. He gives you new loves, just like Paul. He gives you new inclinations, just like Paul. And his truth begins to be a part of your life. Truth is, you still have this old rotten flesh. You do. And it ain't no fun sometimes, but you have it. And yes, you're still going to sin from time to time. But your view of yourself, your view of others, and even your view of the king of kings will change. And see, when that happens, this is how God begins to peel off the old label. Y'all see that? That's how he does it. You don't have to wear those labels anymore. The labels from your past because the power of Christ breaks the grip of whatever label is holding you down. The old is gone, the new has come. Look at that verse again, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Look what he says here, a little tighter. If, any was in, if anyone is in Christ, any person of any race, color, creed, social or economic status, no matter what country you're from, no matter what has happened to you in your past, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. Congregation, you can leave here today without this stinking label from your past with you because of what Jesus has done for you. So I ask you today, congregation, are you grateful for what Christ has done for you? Somebody give him some praise. All right, some of you, not all of you. Let's try that. All of you, give the Lord some praise. Amen. Absolutely. He's absolutely worthy of that. All right, so to help us lock this down and anchor this in today with Scripture, I want to give you three truths today that are going to set you free from the labels of your past. Number one in your outline is this, is that God will give you a new name. In Isaiah 62, verse 2, he says this, You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow upon you. So I ask you, congregation, what's your new name? As a believer, do you know the new name that God has given you? Well, let me help you with this. Listen to this clip. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. I've been saved, I've been changed, I have been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. That is your new name, child of the one true king. And it's important that we all know this because some of us will still choose to wear this. Ah, it says unforgiven. It says lazy. It says stupid, unfaithful, mistake, 
All of the voices, all of the lies that you have going through you, this old label. But what about that new label that God has given you? Child of the one true king. Are you wearing that one? Have you peeled off this old label and put on the new? A couple of examples from scripture that kind of help us see this. Do you remember Abram and Sarai? Remember them? Yeah, they wanted to have children. And God gave them an amazing promise. God came to Abram and, and made a covenant with him. And the Lord told him that he would be the father of a great nation. And in Genesis 17, verse 5, it says this, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, right? And then after that happened, boom, instantly, all of a sudden, they had thousands of kids running around, right? Isn't that how it went? Oh, that's not how it went. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You're, you're right. In fact, it was a long time. And if you read the story, there was a lot of drama that happened. Uh-huh. There was some issues that came up. But eventually, the promise that the Lord made came true. Another example, Jacob, Abraham and Sarah's grandson. <laughs> His label, if you know the story, was trickster, swindler, hustler. And, and in Genesis 32, he has an encounter with God. In verse 27, it says this, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And the very name that Israel means in Hebrew, folks, it means God will prevail. And on this very night, God himself changed Jacob's name. And if you read the story, over 400 years later, the nation of Israel prevailed against Egypt. Another example, Gideon. This is the classic example, by the way. Especially for those of us who struggle with wearing these labels right here. Gideon was one of the descendants of Israel. And his label said he was a coward. Right? He was afraid of his own shadow. He didn't want any conflict. And if you read his story, you will see that he hides out in caves. And there was nothing in him that wanted to fight in a war. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Now let me just stop right there. Side note. Almost always when you see an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that is called a theophany. What that means is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the flesh. And in this case, it was approximately 1,100 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so here's Jesus, and he says to him, the Lord is with you. And here, Gideon gets his new name. You see it right there, Mighty Warrior. Who, the guy hiding in the cave? Afraid of a conflict? He gets called Mighty Warrior by Jesus? Yes. And in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? 
And then in verse 15, here's what Gideon says. And it's what most of us do as well. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replies. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So here's God calling him mighty warrior, and Gideon goes and puts on his old label, and is like, no, 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 God. You got it all wrong here, dude. Um, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm not your guy, right? In fact, when you look at my family, <laughs> we're all weak. And in fact, I'm the wimpiest of all of them. He got the wrong guy. Now, if you read the story, does Gideon eventually go on and win the battle? Yes. Was it immediate? No. He had to grow into this new name that was given to him, Mighty Warrior. Same with us. If we want to break these labels from our past, we have to do our part to foster and nurture growth. We have to allow God to work in our lives and change us over time and grow into this new name that we have, child of the king. So I ask you today, congregation, for yourself. This is rhetorical. Are you growing spiritually? Are you taking the next step in your faith journey? Are you in the word regularly? Are you in a group? Are you taking a discipleship class? Are you serving God in his church? If you're not doing any of those, my hunch is, and I'm just taking a wild guess here, but my hunch is you're probably still identifying with your past label. Second thing, number two, is that God will give you a new purpose. In the New Testament, a good example of this is Simon. He was a fisherman by trade. And then one day, he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus approaches him and tells him, hey, Simon, come here, dude. I have a new purpose for you in life. From now on, buddy, you're going to be a fisher of men, and it's going to be awesome, and you're going to dig it. And so what does Simon do at that moment? He turns in his fishing license, sells his boat, and he leaves the fishing business. Now, let me just pause. If you know me, I love to fish. I wouldn't do that. But I'm not as strong as Simon is because you don't turn in your fishing pole. Right, But Simon did, and he was willing to follow Jesus wherever he went. He became a follower of Christ. And then on one particular day, this happened, Matthew 16. So Jesus and the disciples, they come to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he says to his disciples, hey, guys, who who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, And some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Ah, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Then Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not 
revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And Jesus says this, and on this rock, you, my friend, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So now, Simon has a new name, Peter. And so now, with his new name, Peter leaves this town, and he lives an absolutely perfect life. He never makes a single mistake, and not one time ever denies Jesus. Isn't that the story, congregation? Oh, that's not how it went. No, 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 because Peter, he was a wishy-washy flake, wasn't he? Yep. Remember that time in Luke 22 when the girl comes to him and asks if he knows Jesus? And he's like, <laughs> not only do I not know that guy, I don't know anybody who hangs out with him. And see, Peter couldn't backtrack fast enough. That's what happened. And then after the resurrection, Jesus goes to him. And there's a restoration that takes place. And then on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Jesus needs a guest preacher. And so he picks Peter to be his man. Well, why would he do that? Because Peter, <laughs> who better to know how to preach about repentance than the guy who's failed? And so Peter preaches. And on that day, 3,000 people came to know Christ on that day. And it's what we call the birth of the early church. And check it out. 2,035 years later, here we are. Voila, we're here. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter became an awesome evangelist and a leader and an apostle, not because he decided to sell his fishing business but because he was willing to invest time into spending with the Lord. See, it didn't just happen overnight. He grew into his calling. The same is true with all of us. God gives you a new name, but you have to grow into it. He's going to give you a new purpose, but you're going to have to grow into that purpose. And see, there is a danger of accepting Christ and then sitting in our thumbs and not ever growing in our spiritual life. Because if you never grow in your faith, it will be almost impossible for you to experience the power of Christ that I'm talking about today. It will be almost impossible for you to break free of the labels of your past. Spiritual growth does not happen by accident. It happens by choice. So look with me in your outline. Whatever negative label that's been associated with your name, you take that label with the power of Christ and out of your greatest weakness of your past, God can raise up the greatest strength for your future. If you pursue growth, God will use your greatest weakness, this label that the world knows you by. And in your weakness, you give that label to him and you just say in faith, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. I trust you. And see, congregation, his strength is going to shine in and through your life. Because see, oftentimes, we're actually embarrassed and humiliated by these labels. That's my story. Man, my school days, 
Oh, very painful memory for me. But in order for God to use your past labels, you have to be willing to give them to him. Because it's out of that weakness, whatever your label is, that's going to come your greatest strength. Think Gideon. Think Peter. Are you with me, congregation? Number three in your outline. God will give you a new future. This is where a lot of us kind of go to, but we tend to somehow allow these labels to control us. It was my problem, and I know it's a problem for some of you. Because whatever your label is, we actually choose. It is a choice. We choose to allow these things to drive our lives. And then a person of faith comes along and says, hey, God is going to give you a wonderful new future. And it's like, well, maybe you, Pastor Wayne, but not me. And I'm kind of like, oh, what do you mean? Why not you? Well, I've got this label right here, and it says I'm a doot, and, and, and I could never be a doot. And folks, the reality is, is this type of thinking, it goes against God's word. And it's actually an insult to God and his power. Because you're saying God can't. Take a look with me at what scripture says. Jeremiah 29. One of the most quoted scriptures in children's VBSs and Sunday schools and stuff, but it's been around for a long time. Verse 11, here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is his word. Church, do you believe him, yes or no? Okay, so the question becomes, is God going to give you that future? I believe he wants to. And I believe he's ready to bless your socks off. And he wants to work through your greatest weakness. You just have to do your part. An example of this in the Old Testament is a lady who's mentioned only eight times. And I guess anytime you get pressed in the Bible, that's a good thing, right? Except six times for her, it's negative. In fact, you know the label that she wears. Her name's Rahab. What's her label? What is it, church? Prostitute. Prostitute. And she wasn't just any kind of prostitute. No. She was a street prostitute which is the worst kind. You see, with that label, all kinds of questions arise. How is she going to have a great future? What type of hope does she have? (laughs) There's no way she can be redeemed. How is she ever going to have a successful marriage? Who's going to want to marry her? Rahab, the prostitute? I mean, really? Because if you think about culture and time in that day, folks, Her world was over with. She's wearing the worst label in society. And one day, one day she hears about the God of Israel. And her heart begins to change. And then 
Amazingly, she has this opportunity to hide some spies from Israel, and she does it, ultimately saving those spies' life. And then the story, what it actually does is it becomes a foreshadow of what is to come. She saves others because she saved the spies that day. You see, Rahab gets to know God. And God begins working in her life. And then she meets a godly man named Salmon. She ends up marrying him. And they follow God and have a great marriage. God takes her greatest weakness, the label from her past, and turns it upside down for his glory. In fact, God does lots of amazing things in her life, one of which is she is used by God to be part of the genealogy of Jesus. Now imagine that. In fact, you can see it with me. Look in Matthew 1, verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And if you know the story, Boaz goes on and marries Ruth. And the story goes on and on and on through the, through the generations. And see, at this point, it wasn't Rahab the prostitute. No, 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 no. It was Rahab, the one who saved the spies. Her label changed. Is God's power greater than your past? Absolutely it is. That's why you come here week after week after week. And see, the struggle is it's like you say, Pastor Wayne, I hear you on Sunday, and I get all excited about living for Jesus, but then Monday shows up. And I put my label right back on. And I have to live life in defeat all week long. Remember, my friends, it's one Sunday out of a bin. Right? It's, it's not one Sunday come to church and you're all discipled up. That's not how it works. Spiritual growth is a process. It takes time and you have to work at it. It doesn't happen accidentally or by osmosis. You know, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. That's like going to McDonald's and it making you a hamburger. Right? That ain't how it works. You have to invest into your spiritual growth. Reading scripture, memorizing scripture, serving in the church, prayer, going to a discipleship class, being in a group, attending worship. Let me say something about that real quick, okay? You can't come just one to service. You just can't come to service because that's eating one meal a week. In your life, if you ate just one meal a week, would you be like the preem person for uh, uh, nutrition? That ain't going to work, right? And it doesn't work spiritually as well. So just that's for free. All right, growing in your spiritual life, right? This is essential. Breaking the label of your past requires spiritual growth. And as you grow, hey, listen, God's going to give you a brand new name, a brand new purpose, and a bright new future. Look at Philippians chapter 3 with me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Here's what he says. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, I can't live on my past victories or my past defeats. It's about today and moving forward into the future. Verse 14. 
So I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My friends, press on. Don't give up. Press on to know Jesus at a much deeper level than you know him today. I want you to go to the spiritual gym, and I want you to work out your salvation. All right? Lift those Bibles. You get what I'm saying here? Because spiritual growth, it does not happen at microwave speeds. I've said this before. It's a slow cooker. Stay the course. Invest your, into your relationship with God. It's well worth your time. He's given you a new name. You are his child. You are a child of the one true king. You're not who the world calls you anymore. This label from your past is gone. He's given you a brand new purpose. He's given you a bright new future. Embrace this identity in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Grow in him. Congregation, God wants to show you amazing and unsearchable things about your life that you didn't even know about yourself. And these things will absolutely blow your mind. So I encourage you today as we close, seek the Lord. Invest into your spiritual growth. Find out what God has in store for your future. He knows. And he's calling you to fulfill it. I'm gonna ask that you stand and pray with me today. God, as we just come before you now, God, we acknowledge these labels that we have that we've been carrying around for years for some of us. Labels that have been given to us by others or labels that we have given ourselves. And Lord, we want to break free of those today. And so God, today is the day where we lay them at your feet and we just say, Lord Jesus, here they are. I'm casting them at your feet. Take them. I trust you. Father, today's the day where we want to grow in faith. We want to elevate our trust in you. We want to take you at your word. God, you want to take our greatest weakness and make them a success. And so, Lord, we're putting our lives in your hands today. So, Father, I pray for every person in this room today, God, that we would take a step of faith and put our trust in you in a way that will absolutely blow our mind that we didn't even know we could do. God, I'm asking you to give the strength to every person in this room today so that they can take a step in faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done on the cross, rising from the grave, making this whole life in you even possible. The congregation, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and this Christian life just seems out of reach to you. 
I want you to know that it's not. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I just want you to know I'm praying for you right now. You can know Jesus as Lord. The Bible says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I just encourage you now, go to the Lord. Confess your sin to him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. I want to live for you. I repent of my sin. Give your life to the Lord today. Trust him. Take a step of faith. Father, we are here to worship you in spirit and in truth. So God, in our spirits now, we lift you up in praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.